Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Back to the Blitz Podcast for another episode, or should I say our episode that precedes our double DFS Turkey Day special. Harley, can you believe that that's how far along in the season we are? Well, of course. I mean, I just looked up at the TV and they were saying on the news that next week is Thanksgiving. And I went and turned to my wife and said, no, it's not. And she said, yes, it was. And I said, no, it's not. And she said, yes, it is. And I said, no, it's not. And she said, yes, it is. We did that like four different times. And then I looked at my calendar. I'm like, oh, boy, it actually is Thanksgiving next week. So, yay, yay, yay. That's awesome because that means we get a double helping of DFS greatness. Yes. Um, And officially, to me, I can say, okay, it feels like November finally because Saturday, I think it was like 79 degrees here. Um, And then this morning, it was 28, feels like 24. So. The cold weather. Well, you know what we had to deal with last week? It got really cold uh, coming out of the weekend. And uh, this morning we saw the first substantial snow of the year here in Minnesota where uh, traffic times uh, to go. I went uh, 13 miles to my first client this morning, leaving from the Minneapolis suburb of St. Louis Park, heading to the co-twin city of St. Paul. And in that time, it took me roughly one hour to get there. Wow. We had our first <clears throat> frost. We had our first frost of the year, I would say. Um, yeah. So a little bit different. I mean, that's what happens when you live over here on the East coast, kind of where I am in Europe. Well, I I think that our listeners may need to start thinking about this too. When you go into factoring in late DFS decisions, particularly coming into this uh, weekend here and the weeks going forward is that weather conditions can definitely make a factor in, in like, if you've got like a question mark between one or two different guys, and this week in particular, I believe there's nine games on the main sl- on the main slate or so that are six. I think six of the nine games are being played in potential outdoor weather conditions. Yeah, and that's definitely not good for kickers. So you know, if you have kickers in your league, you got to pay attention to that because you're not going to get any long field goals. Most likely, the ball gets a little heavier, foot gets a little more tired. I guess. Well, and in general too. I mean, if if there's excessive winds or uh, horizontal rain or freezing rain, those things can affect your your non-elite quarterbacks, obviously, as well as your non-elite wide receivers. I mean, not every wide receiver has super stick them on their glove like Justin Jefferson. Uh, But, uh, you know, but it also actually can positively affect your running backs and your tight ends uh, who will either have see more uh, carries like we saw in the, uh, Thursday night game last week where Deontay Foreman got a lot of carries for Carolina and Atlanta ran the ball a lot with uh, Corderell Patterson and Tyler Algier just because the the weather conditions, and, and that was from the rare uh, outskirts of a November hurricane, something we don't see a ton of. But again, whether it be winds or rain or snow or sleet or sneet or whatever might be coming down in the area, all of those things can affect the production of your players. So again, Make sure you check the weather report this coming Sunday and uh, keep abreast of what's happening because those can be the difference between uh, a winning lineup and an unwinning lineup. Yeah, and you know who it affects more more than others also? Your traditional quarterbacks, right? Your your Aaron – well, Aaron can still scramble a little bit, but your Aaron Rodgers, your Tom Brady's, guys like that, right? There aren't too many of them. Joe Burrows even. versus, you know, the guys that will make it up with their legs like Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, um, Josh Allen, who hasn't been stellar of late, Patrick Mahomes does enough with his legs. So, you know, you just got to keep that kind of stuff in mind. But anyway, so before we, we go any further, let's just map out what we're going to look at this week. So this week, what you're going to get from us is our normal DFS, you know, daily DFS picks where we give you our payups, stayaways, and value plays. And then The other segment we're going to have, we're going to give you our two early top 12 quarterbacks for next year. Next week, we're going to do double DFS, and then we're going to follow that up with our top 12 two early running backs for next year, 
followed up the following week with top 12 too early wide receivers. And then we will finish off in week 15 with our top 12 too early tight end list. But before any Are of that happens... Are there tight ends left in the league? There, there may not be, actually. So um, we may have to go with double double backups or something like that. But hey, maybe maybe there's something in the news today about tight ends. I don't know. because But the only way I'll find out is I throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Speaking of tight ends, Zach Ertz was lost for the season with a knee injury. I mean, come on. That is just what fantasy leagues needed. One fewer reliable tight end to choose from each week. Ah. (laughs) The fantasy world also took a huge hit with the loss of Cooper Cup to the dreaded high ankle sprain on Sunday. This news, while predominantly painful to the fantasy owners of Cup, was in fact cheered for by the three people who still own Ellen Robinson in redraft. <laughs> Jeff Saturday won his first game as the coach of the Indianapolis Colts as he returned Matt Ryan to the starting lineup, and Jonathan Taylor returned to full duty after dealing with an injury for the last couple of weeks. Apparently, no one in the Colts' front office bothered to tell Saturday that he was hired to help the team lose. (laughs) The Arizona Cardinals made a shocking move early this morning, waving their top backup running back, Eno Benjamin. Benjamin, who was held without any counting stats this weekend, had filled in admirably earlier this year while James Conner was injured. He now goes to waivers where he is currently projected to be picked up by the Denver Broncos to be their number 12 running back. (laughs) And finally, the Panthers will turn back to Baker Mayfield this week, as P.J. Walker is also out with a high ankle sprain. The team is also expected to have Sam Darnold ready to be the backup to Baker this week. Hey, starting the washed veteran instead of the unready youngster worked so well for Jeff Saturday, why wouldn't Steve Wilkes try it too? This has been your BPN News Update. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Um, oh, where to start? Feel bad for Ertz. However, fantasy-wise, remember, I'd say that people got a bigger payoff than they expected from because remember the payoff was expecting the first six weeks or so while DeAndre Hopkins was suspended, right? Once he got yes. back, everybody expected that his value would, would plummet. So, But then again, the position is just so barren that you know if you're suited up, you may be a, a, a good option. Um, well, he did get a, a slight reprieve there, too, because just about the time DeAndre came back, the team lost Hollywood Brown true. for an extended period of time. And now it sounds like Brown is actually closer to coming back than would normally be expected. I and mean, he was originally expected to miss up to six weeks. Uh, odds are he's not going to play this week. But there's a chance he's going to start practicing this week, so he, we might see him come week 12. So I have a question. That sounds like you may have a tight end that's practicing in, in your living room because it sounds like they dropped something. Yes, that would be our Siamese cat, Rocky. Uh, he is more of a speed tight end. He, he runs the, uh, the the fast zoomy routes. Okay. And he's very, very adept at, uh, at fetching the football when he threw it down. I got you. Okay. I was going to say, sounds like he's got hands like, I don't know. Um, a lot of them. I, I won't. I won't zero <laughs> anybody in here. Anyway, um, enough of me. Not hands like Justin Jefferson. Man, man, you know that was just an incredible. That was an incredible game. Honestly, there was just like I can't imagine being a Bills or a Vikings fan watching that because just as a normal fan watching it, it was draining. <laughs> I mean, my God. And well, so I, I'm. I've lived through Bills Chiefs and Bills Vikings over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I my life insurance company is calling me and they're trying to jack up my rates because of this. I bet they are. Um, so you know, you had the Odell catch from years ago, which was fantastic. It was the way his body was all contorted, right? Stephon yep. Diggs climbed the ladder, had one hell of a catch in the same game as Justin did yesterday. Um, I'm even going to go back to the, what, what people refer to as the fail, Mary, but I disagree. I believe that he called it, and that was, oh, God, now his name just escaped me. The guy that stole donuts in Seattle. Help me. Oh, man. That, you, you may be going uh, pre, my, pre my days on that one. There. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. No, no. Ta- um, 
Golden Tate. Golden Tate. Oh, man. I I totally forgot about that one. People said that you know he didn't catch, but I, I've, I'm one of the few that slowed it down frame by frame show where he actually had one hand on it, and it was contested. And the way they fell, he came away with the ball. People question whether that happened or not. JJ's was very similar to that in that the DB had two hands on it. So it's not just as impressive that he caught it. It's having the strength in that hand to actually bring it in away from that DB. Um, should the DB have handled that differently instead of trying to catch it, swat it away, probably winds up uh, you know, an incomplete pass on 4th and 18. But you add all that in, that's possibly the greatest catch that wasn't a touchdown that I've ever seen. But then it's like, I mean, you look at all the other elements of that particular game. There was so much yeah. going on there. I mean, you had the the Buffalo stop on, on fourth down at the goal line, yeah, uh, which should have sealed the game for Buffalo. And then you, you've got uh, Buffalo choosing not to take the safety and kick it away by by uh, going with the actual handoff, try the quarterback sneak, but the failed handoff, obviously. Josh Allen fumbles the ball. It's recovered by uh, Vikings linebacker Eric Kendricks uh, for the touchdown on defense. And, of course, then it's, well, it's like, well, okay, well, is that too much time left for Josh Allen? And sure enough, it was because yep. for whatever reason, and this is something that's cursed the Vikings for the last, uh, oh, really, for as long as I've been an adult watching their games, is Minnesota loves to roll out that prevent defense they <laughs> last are, drives against they elite are. quarterbacks. I mean, guys like they do it against Brett Favre when he was with the Packers, and obviously they do it against Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, and then the, now they're doing it against Josh Allen and you just let them dink and dunk you for 10 yeah. yards here and 12 um, yards there and 15 yards there and getting out of bounds. And it's just absolutely sickening. And you just, you kind of have this like feeling you got like, you just, you know that Buffalo is going to go down and score and they're going to win the game. So they're not the only ones. Trust me. Everyone does it. And it's <coughs> like, it's like, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know what? It's what playing that kind of defense, what that is equated to me as is when you see the coach, and they don't. The other team has timeouts, so they want to make them use them, right? So they run the ball, they run the ball, they run the ball, and they wind up punting it away. And it's called coaching scared, right? Andy yep. Reid used to do it all the time. Andy Reid's evolved. He throws passes now, and most people are like, oh, my God, he shouldn't have thrown a pass. It would have fallen incomplete. But you know what? They didn't. It was a high-percentage pass, and they completed it. So playing that defense is playing scared, in my opinion. I can't for the life of me don't understand why, why more teams don't bring pressure. Get, I know. They don't want to get beat, right? They don't want to get beat long. Well, you're just dying a death of a thousand paper cuts, basically. Well, what really sucked is that they weren't guarding the sidelines either. So, I mean, well, they were getting these ten yard catches, and they were letting the guys get out of bounds. Yeah, and and on top of that, they're fighting the refs. <coughs> they're fighting the refs. Um, on Kirk's failed sneak, they were clearly offsides. I tweeted a picture of that. I know people are going to yes. say, "Yeah," but the angle that no, the angle was not that much that you couldn't tell that one of the defensive tackles' hands was inside of where the ball was spotted. That's all there is to it. The, the refs just didn't call it. For whatever reason, they didn't call it. Um, and you, if, I don't care if the, you know what, the defense is going to take as much as you can. They'll give you there because you're not giving them a first down, right? It's just how much closer can they move it? So, yeah, the refs should call the penalty. Then just rerun it. If they rerun it five times, then so be it. But, you know, it is what it is. Then you had to fight the refs not, or I should say New York, not reviewing the Gabe Davis catch, which was a fantastic catch that really wasn't a catch. Um, yeah, definitely you juggled it when he went to the ground. But yeah. uh, I, I would say, I mean, as as bad as those two situations were, perhaps the absolute most abhorrent and and worst part of the of the non calls or calls in that stretch of plays was the twelve men on the field for Buffalo. Yeah, there's actually a referee on the field, the back judge, whose sole job prior to the snap of the ball is to count the number of players on both sides of the field. That That's all his responsibility is prior to the snap. So you're right. <clears throat> and, and it's just funny how everything broke because, as an example, Minnesota missed the extra point earlier in the game, right? Yes. Had they not missed that extra point... It would have been all been moot, yeah. Because they would have not gone for the sneak, I don't think anyway, on fourth and goal. They'd have kicked the field goal to tie the game. Yes. Which means then Josh, Josh Allen would have had the ball moving for a win instead of a tie. So it's just funny how things like that all work out there. At the end of the day, it seems like the team that gets screwed over by calls like that doesn't get the breaks and wind up being the one that went, won the game. As an Eagles fan, sure, I'd love to see Minnesota lose to give them a little bit of space, right? 
But oh, I, yeah. I have to say, honestly, I'm glad they won because they deserved it, especially when you're fighting an uphill battle like that with all those other things that could have gone their way, did go their way, didn't go their way, and then they still found a way to persevere. So, Well, and it's unfortunate for the Vikings is that they're really not getting any respect this year from the national media, from the local media, from Vegas. I mean, oh, yeah. We, we, go in, we go into Buffalo, and we beat Buffalo. We're an 8-1 team now, and... We're at home this week, and the line opens at home versus a Dallas Cowboys team that just us the Packers with Dallas as the favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, the Eagles are 8-0, right? And they, yeah. they're they not getting the same respect either. It's like, you know, who they beat? And then, you know, a lot of Dallas fans are like, oh, who'd they beat? Oh, they beat you. That's who. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, but Cooper Rush. Okay, but whatever. And, you know, there's people that are saying, yeah, Dak had as many interceptions in the second half uh, as Jalen Hurts has all year already. So anyway, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know what? Talk about Dak and talk about Jalen Hurts. Let's transition to our top 12 quarterbacks for next year. How's that sound? Exactly. And we may talk about some of the quarterbacks that were featured in some of these games there, too. That is possible. And for those that don't know, we are recording this while the game is going on. And I know that the Eagles are already up 7-0 on Washington. Um, Harley. Top 12, set the over-under. How many are we going to agree on? I think we're going to have 10 that are on both rosters. Both my, my top 10. Uh, 10 of mine will be on with 10 of yours. Okay. We're probably going to have two guys somewhere near the bottom that we both uh, disagree on. But as far as actually hitting on spot for spot, I'm going to say maybe three. So I think you almost make calling the over at 10 impossible, but I'm going to take the over. And I'm going to take the I'm going to take the over on the three. Also, how's that? Okay. All right. Start us off. Who's going to be who's who's filling your top spot? Uh, you know, coming into this season, I really wanted it to be Justin Herbert. I had predicted him to be the league MVP. I thought the Chargers were going to win it all, and then obviously, everything that could go wrong for that team has gone wrong. They lose your top two receivers for most of the season. You lose your number three receiver for the entire season. You lose your tight end now. Uh, for the second time this season, uh, you lose two of your biggest offensive linemen, two of your your top offensive linemen for the season. Uh, so Herbert uh, had everything go wrong for him this year. Because of that, I'm, I'm sliding him back a little bit here uh, just because we really don't know uh, what the team's going to be like next year. I, I moved Josh Allen back up into the number one spot, and that's just because we know that he's got the weapons – we know that he's got the arm, and I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't foresee this UCL thing being anything going forward. So he looked. He looked. I mean, yes, he did have the fumbled snap. Yes, he did throw a couple of interceptions, and he's actually thrown more interceptions in the last couple of weeks than he has pretty much uh, since he was. Chicago, uh, I was going to say since he was a Chicago Bear, but uh, that's not what I meant to say. Since his first year in the league. <laughs> yeah. So we agree, actually. I've got Allen first. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact, yes, he's got the arm. Yes, he has the weapons. Um, and yes, he has the legs. I mean, Devin, yes. Singletary, Devin Singletary just scored two touchdowns yesterday, and they were the first two touchdowns that he scored all year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could probably parse it and say, well, I know you mentioned Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's not in the top discussion for me, but Patrick Mahomes, you probably could. But I think that Allen's feet... And he currently, you would say, has slightly better playmakers than Pat does. Um, and that's why I've got Patrick Mahomes listed number two this uh, for and, next season. And, again, I, as a Chiefs fan, I hate to say to myself, well, Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes is an elite quarterback. He's able to yep. make incredible plays and produce huge statistical lines regardless of who his receivers are. And uh, – and again, he's he's making Juju Smith-Schuster back into a reliable wide receiver one there. Uh, he's and he's worked with guys like Kadarius Tony this year. He, he's been effectively getting the ball to McCall Hardman, who uh, up until the season was kind of a draft bust. Right. Uh, and obviously, he's got Travis Kelsey, who's uh, anyone that's seen any of the commercials for High B know that uh, him and uh, Mahomes are attached to the hip, basically. So yeah, you've, you've got a lot of weapons there. You've, you've got an, an unmeasurable skill set in, in Mahomes' arm. And, and, I mean, while Ellen is certainly a better natural runner than Mahomes, 
Mahomes can get some stuff done with his feet too. Yep, he can. Um, the fact that Allen's number gets called so much closer to the goal line, that's what put him at one for me. I have Pat, exactly. I have Pat at number two also. Um, there's nothing to dislike. Kadarius Tony, you know, give him the rest of the season and all season, that could be fantastic for Mahomes. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Sky Moore. Um, maybe he's a draft bust, maybe not. Maybe another year helps him. Um, and then, like you said, Juju's coming into his own. God, by the way, hopefully he's okay from that hit that he took um, and recovered. That was scary. That was a really scary hit. Yeah, it really was. Um, okay, so let's see if we can just knock – we can tie the, the over number right out the bait, right out the bat, rather, out of the gate. I wanted to say bat, bat and gate, and I said bait. Um, who's your number three? I'm going to go with uh, the guy from last year's Super Bowl. That's Joe Burrow. You want to talk about weapons – Nobody's got a better one, two, three to throw to than Joe Burrow. Well, I can't disagree with that. However, Burrow is not in my top three. Huh? Burrow is all the way down at number eight for me. And you'll understand why shortly. Um, my number three is a guy that's playing tonight. And maybe I'm jaded by the Eagle Midnight Green, but Jalen Hurts. The way he's progressed this year as a passer and running that offense, granted, it's, it still seems to be a run-oriented off- oriented offense, right? Yes. But he is part of that. He's kind of like Josh Allen light in a sense, right? He scored a one-yard touchdown run tonight already. Um, mm-hmm. Add all that in, add another year. He has the targets. A.J. Browns is just about as good as any receiver in the league. Devontae Smith is turning into a formidable guy also. They've got Dallas Goddard at tight end. Um Miles Sanders, when healthy, seems to be a solid back for him. So there's enough targets in Philly for Hertz, I think, to he's and I think he's number three on the year right now, um, two or three, maybe four, um, without having played in a game this week. So um, he's my number three. Yeah, my my big issue with Hertz is the lack of passing touchdowns. Still, uh, obviously, his passing yardage has been. Uh, I believe he's in the top. Let's see, I can tell you really quickly. Hertz's passing yardage is 16th in the league coming into today. Uh, his passing touchdowns, he's only got 12 on the season. That uh, that ties him for 13th with the likes of Marcus Mariota and Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, the big advantage that Hertz has is his rushing ability. He does have the six rushing touchdowns. But when you look at his rushing ability, he's still only 7th in rushing yardage among quarterbacks. Uh thanks to recent uh, spurges by guys like Justin Fields. So I I do like Jalen Hurts. Obviously, he's got two good weapons there to throw to, and, and three if you count Dallas Goddard. But again, this team as a whole, I think, will remain run first for far, uh, even with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith there. And because of that, I've got Hurts all the way down at seven for me. Okay, that's fair. Um I just don't see how we see him regress. So for him to fall to seven, people have to leapfrog him. Um, for me, again, my top three, Alan Mahomes and Hertz, all of them have legs and wheels. Um, Mahomes maybe not known as much for his, but those three guys can get it with their legs to really help pad those quarterback stats. Okay, for number four, I, I couldn't let Herbert slide any further than this. Uh, He's still young. He so from a dynasty standpoint, obviously, and this this activity is not based on dynasty format. This is based on redraft format PPR. Uh, obviously, quarterbacks don't catch a lot of passes, but as we cover wide receivers and running backs over the next few weeks, you'll find that the, the full PPR does come into play in our rankings here. But I mean, Herbert again has done a remarkable job with what little he's had left this year. So, again, assuming that they get their full offensive line back next year, assuming that Keenan Allen comes back and can play again next year, assuming that Mike Williams returns next year, uh, that's a lot of assumptions to be made. But, again, he's making do with a bunch of kind of scrub receivers this year. He's turned Joshua Palmer into an every-week starter in in regular fantasy. Uh, He's made DeAndre Carter a popular DFS play. Uh, Even going into last week's game, he had made Michael Bandy a popular DFS play. Now, of course, Bandy did absolutely nothing, which kind of pissed me off from a DFS standpoint last night. But at the same time, he's getting it done with nobody. That's What's he going to get done 
once he has everyone back next year, I, I think he's still a top four guy. So I've got him at four. See, but that's part of what worries me about him. Not enough to not have him in my top 12, of course. Um, but can Keenan Allen stay healthy <clears throat> anymore? I mean, he's older, right? But does it matter, though, with the development of Palmer? <sighs> well, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, and then Mike Williams, same thing. Can he stay healthy? Um, well, we know that isn't, that isn't going to happen. Right. So but Michael Williams is going to have his eight games each season where he goes for 140 and at least one touchdown. And he's going to have his eight games where he catches three passes or less for 20 yards. Right. Because that's Mike Williams. Yeah. So anyway, I have Joe Burrow slated right after – I'm sorry. I have Herbert slated right after Joe Burrow. You had Burrow three and Herbert four. I have Burrow eight and Herbert nine. So you're you're going more run quarterback forward. I'm going more passing pocket quarterback forward. Wow. Look at that. I told you it would come into it would come into focus soon. Yes, because um, my number four is Lamar Jackson. Again, doesn't always have the weapons you would like him to have as a passer. Um, Mark Andrews, notwithstanding, and he's been hurt the past couple of weeks. Um, Rashad Bateman, whatever. They need to get him some more weapons, but he can compensate with those legs. And just imagine, you know, if they get him an AJ Brown type guy or something like that. Minimally, he's got. Overall, one number one quarterback upside, right? There's no debating that. Um, so, yeah, I've got LJX as my number four next year. Well, the big question mark with LJX is where is he going to be playing next year? He's playing in Baltimore. There's no question. It, I, I, again, we say that flippantly, and, and all, odds are that he will be the starting quarterback in Baltimore next year. But that question, I mean, it's it, it, the time has passed for that extension to be signed. And, I mean, is there going to be any hurt feelings coming into this offseason? season? Uh, is Baltimore not going to want him back next year? Are they going to be looking for a change in a draft class that supposedly has a lot of very good quarterbacks for the future? Plus the fact that they obviously have Tyler Huntley, who would cost them a lot less to start. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Where does he go that he has a situation that is worse from a skill position um, player to support him? If he doesn't sign up. It's not so much that he goes to a place that's worse for him from a skill position standpoint, but does he go to a place where he's capable of maximizing his talent? Oh, I think that's absolutely part of whoever, wherever he would land if it's not Baltimore. They're absolutely going to maximize what he brings to the table. You don't put that square peg in a round hole. Exactly. And I I think I agree with you on that. But uh, I, I have him all the way down at nine. Okay. Because there is question marks about that. And again, even if he does stay in Baltimore right now, he's got Mark Andrews. He's going to have uh, Rashad Bateman coming back from uh, his foot injury next year, hopefully. They really got to get him some more weapons. So, And if, if they're paying him $60 million next year to be their quarterback, can they afford to go out and get him an A.J. Brown? Yeah, I, I feel you. Um, who do you have at your number five spot? I'm going to go with uh, a guy who was really maligned uh, coming into uh, the season, and that's Tua Tagovailoa. Now, much like Jalen Hurts has seen a market improvement this year, thanks to that team going out and getting a huge weapon for him and AJ Brown. You say the exact same thing for Tua Tagovailoa, who's much improved this year thanks to that team going out and getting them Tyree Kill. I mean, Tyree Kill is having. Uh, What's on pace for almost a record-setting season as a wide receiver there? Yes. Um, he is also my number five. I debated about having him between five and seven, honestly. Um, he is the first one that doesn't fit my leg narrative because he hasn't carried the ball more than 20 times this season, I think 19-ish, um, less than 50 yards rushing. Um, but, yes, the, the playmakers he has around him just with Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell, um, two is great value. And I don't think anybody's going to draft him in the top five next year, honestly. Well, I think you're absolutely right on that. Again, he's, uh, he's going to be the guy that is going to be taken as far as his weapons around him take him, I feel. Yeah. Yes, if, if he lost Tyreek Hill for an extended period of time, they would struggle some. Um, God forbid. Uh, much the same reason, personally, that I feel that hurts would struggle if they didn't have A.J. Brown there this year. He might, but also I think he'd run more like he did last year, and, and his passing has improved. But, yeah, I mean, make no mistake about it. Having those big dogs helps. There, there's no question about that. Um, 
So, yeah, my number five is Tua. Six, so we have matched our three now. We, so. we have matched our three. We've got the push on, on that, so we need to get one more right. Um, I struggled here. This is where I was like, do I go with upside or do I go with upside or do I go with less upside and, and more upside? I don't know. Um, so I'm going to say, what have you done for me lately? And that's helped to frame my pick here. I have Justin Fields at number six. I, I have no argument with that. I, he isn't my number six, but I I can totally get behind that based on what he's done with his legs. And yeah. I, I just I have to assume we, we've got three games now of, of film of him as, as a just a destructive Run force. player coming out of the backfield as a ball carrier. Yep. He's actually passed Lamar Jackson in rushing yards now for the season. Uh, he's tied Jalen Hurts for rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks now for the season. The, yeah, my, my only concern with Fields still remains the fact that, I mean, yes, he's added uh, Chase Claypool to that offense. Now Cole Kmet's come alive and has five touchdowns in the last three games. But I still feel like when I look at that offense there that I, they just need a little bit more help for him. I, I don't yes. trust Claypool. Who's really Claypool? Really hasn't done anything since he's gotten there. I think he has three catches in the, in the game since he's been traded over to there. And I mean, obviously Darnell Mooney is starting to improve his play, but again, his his numbers are inconsistent because of the fact that Fields hasn't been throwing the ball a ton. So again, I mean, you're you're counting a lot on upside. And now that there's three games of tape on him, our team's going to start scheming to take away Fields' running abilities and force the Bears to throw the ball. And then comes the question, well, yes, Fields has the arm. Does he have the accuracy to make it happen? Yeah, and you know what? Who knows? Maybe the Bears go out and get him a wide receiver like the Dolphins and the Eagles did for their quarterbacks. At, at least in the Bears' uh, case, they have the money to do some this offseason. Yes, they do. Okay. And so I, I've actually, I, before we go, I've got Fields actually as my eighth-ranked guy. Okay, so not too far apart, though. Yep. Who is At six... At six for me, I, I'm going with upside, but I'm going with upside at with another pocket passer. But this particular pocket passer has some scramble to his game. He, he's already vultured three touchdowns at the stripe this year. He's not the guy that's going to break away a 30 or 40 yard touchdown run, but you get the ball at the goal line, and uh, he's just as likely to reach over for a touchdown as uh, is handed off to his. Uh, Young sensation running back Travis Etienne. My quarterback number six is Trevor Lawrence. Well, we are six for six on matches at least. I'm um, in the top twelve because I do not have Trev as my six, um, as you know, because I fields there. But um, I do have him at the eleven spot, and, and I I wanted to bump him up a little higher, but I couldn't do it above Burrow and Herbert. Um, I got one other guy I could you could argue against, and, and I could swap him, honestly, and put him at 10. Um, and maybe the guy that I'm going to say I have at 7 should actually go down to 11, and, and Trev should be bumped up, or maybe everybody else should be bumped up. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I've got him in my top 12. I just I really love the weapons they put around him there. Obviously, Zay Jones has been very, very good over the last couple of weeks. Christian Kirk. Uh, everyone thought it was a – Ridiculous signing, but he's turning out to be a legitimate wide receiver one down there. Yep. Uh, obviously, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is providing veteran experience on the outside for them. And under the radar uh, move that they made this season is trading for Calvin Ridley's rights. Yes, that is true. That's that's going to be something that will definitely – I forgot about that, quite honestly. So um, That is four huge weapons in the passing game. And as you say that, Jalen Hurts just does a little jump pass touchdown on a fake run up the middle on, I think it was first and goal with, I can't tell who got the touchdown. Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard. They need to get their boy, Devontae Smith, a touchdown tonight. Today's his birthday. Um, well, Devontae Smith had a big game in the earlier meeting between the Eagles and Commanders. And, uh, yes, he did. I, I have a feeling that the Commanders kind of, looked at that game script and said, well, we're not going to let Devonta do that to us again. So Very possible. They, they're kind of targeting, taking him out of this, out of this one. Sure. But it's 14, seven um, Eagles after, I think it's three possessions. I don't think either teams punted and both teams have scored on their possessions. Okay. At seven, I have a guy that like I said, I'm a little conflicted on Kyler Murray. 
again, a guy that has some targets, right? He's got Hollywood. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if Ertz is back next year. Probably is. Depends on the injury. Um, and Murray's got legs. He's got the wheels to, to compensate for what he doesn't do with his arm. Um, and, but then again, you got DeAndre. He kind of looks at what we're looking at, one, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't love it, but I definitely see him as a top 12 quarterback. He was just the hardest one for me to slot. I put it at seven. I could have had him at 11, quite honestly. Well, it's too bad you didn't put him at 11 because that's where I put him. Uh, uh, much the same. I, li- I like his weapons there. DeAndre's back next season. Obviously, they get uh, Marquise Brown for another full season. Uh, Zach Ertz is actually under contract through 2025. Team has an out for 2024, but uh, it sounds like this injury could keep him out until the middle of next season, uh, based on the uh, the nature of the of the knee injury he sustained. So they won't have him at least at the start of next season. But Ertz will be back at some point. Obviously, they drafted uh, Trey McBride uh, with the eye on the future there, and he's going to get a chance to show out over the next couple weeks to see if he's capable of being a tight end one for the future for there for them. There was a lot of preseason hype on him there. Um, so they do have some weapons there. Yeah. Uh, Rondale Moore has kind of developed this season as a reliable possession receiver out of the slot there. Uh, plus, I mean, they, they've got some other guys that have, have missed time this year due to injury, including my uh, my favorite from late last season, from DFS, Antoine Wesley, who's still under contract but has missed pretty much this entire season due to injury. Yeah. So... I like Kyler. I mean, obviously, he's got the legs. I think the biggest question mark I have with him there is uh, he does have an issue with some decision-making. He has an issue in clutch situations making some some questionable plays. And how much of that falls on him and how much of that falls on the coaching staff? Yeah. A factor. And, again, how safe is Cliff Kingsbury's job as the head coach there? If something were to happen, how does that change the favor or disfavor of Kyler going forward? Yeah, I mean, the talent's there. So I think that no matter what, whether it's Cliff's in or out, he'll still be fine. Um, but like I said, yeah, you've got him down at, at 11. I, I could see him anywhere between that 7 to 11 mark. It, it's splitting well, we, hairs. I was going to say, we've already talked about my 7, 8, and 9. 7 being Hertz, 8 being Fields, and 9 being Jackson. And we talked about mine. Um, so Murray's at 7, Burrow's at 8, Herbert's at 9 for me. So 10 is what's left, I believe. What do you have at 10? Uh, 10 was a, a, a trickier one for me. Uh, I ultimately settled on Minnesota's own Kirk Cousins. Uh, he's under contract. Uh, they still ha- they'll still have their top three wide receivers back next season. They've got uh, TJ Hawkinson still under contract for another season now since the trade over. So he's got a lot, a lot of weapons to throw to. They play half their games inside uh, here at the Dome. So at the Dome. I'm thinking of the old Vikings playing at the Dome. They play after games at U.S. Bank Stadium now, which is inside. Doesn't have to worry about weather, despite being a Minnesota Northern team. Uh, he's got good running back, gets the ball to the backfield, and Delvin Cook. There's lots of reasons why Cousins going into next season. So I initially had Kirk slated at 12, and the guy had a 10. I was like, I didn't love him there, and I was like, but I wanted to move him higher, right? And I was just like, I can't. I just don't know that he's the same guy that we think he is and what's going to happen with the rest of the team around him, blah, 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 blah. So I said, you know what? I'm bumping Kirk up. So I put Kirk at 10. So we hit the over. We got four in the right spot. Um, And and I did it in front of Trev because I just – look, Trevor's going to have another year under his belt and some some additional targets and, you know, weapons. But Kirk has the weapon. And then nice weapons after that. So I I just – I thought, you know what, Kirk probably doesn't do as much with his legs as Trevor Lawrence does, um, but I still wound up defaulting to putting Trevor at ten. I mean, Kirk at ten and Trevor at eleven. So for me, eleven was Kyler. Um, yep. I, I had a really tough time with number twelve here. Twelve. I mean, th- there's a lot of quarterbacks starting right now that yeah. won't be starting next season. Correct. Uh, realistically, and. I mean, I kind of looked at a guy like Kenny Pickett, who's already developed some confidence in that offense. He's run the ball a little bit. Uh, he's got a good relationship with uh, George Pickens, his number, uh, new number one receiver there, as Deontay's kind of become the possession guy. And, I mean, I looked at uh, guys like Derek Carr, who will assumedly still have uh, Devontae Adams to throw to wherever, uh, if he's assuming they both stay in, in Vegas there. 
Uh, I thought about even Trey Lance coming back for San Francisco. Yeah. But again, we don't know what effect he'll be coming back after yet another injury. So, you know what? I kind of went off the board at 12 here. I'm going to go with the uh, potential signal caller for either the Houston Texans or the Detroit Lions, and that's DJ Wagalela or Wagaleli. Oh, see, you cheated, man. You cheated. We, we could have run. Oh, I don't think that's cheating. We could have run the table here. Well, you're going to go with Geno Smith, aren't you? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I actually went with Dak Prescott. I, I have lost all faith in Dak. And, and I was going to say, like, that's why I said, I looked at him, like, should he be hired? Can I make him look? And I just, I slid him in there. Because, again, I looked at, like you said, a bunch of quarterbacks that won't be starting, um, a bunch of your normal, you know, non-running type quarterbacks I don't want to rely on. Um, you know, that's just, he probably should have been 12, honestly. I probably should have bumped everybody up. Um, but he does have CeeDee Lamb. If Michael Gallup is back, I mean, hopefully the injury's behind him. Um, what, what happens with Zeke? I mean, if Zeke's gone, Tony Pollard starting can only help them somewhat. Um, but he has not been the same quarterback since his injury. So um, he'll probably get overdrafted, honestly, in drafts and, and way too early for me. But that's why I have a 10, and I didn't love it. It's the one pick I did not love. Yeah, it, it was really hard in that range for me again. I, I, I slid Dak down to 13. I had Daniel Jones at 14, assuming he comes back. I had Geno at 15 just because, yes, he's having a great season this year and he's running the ball a lot and being some, somewhat successful. But, again, can we really trust him? Right. And again, like I said, I mentioned Pickett, who I, I think could take that next step next season. But, again, there's just not enough uh, tape. So I'm, I one of the situation where it's like, whether they go to Houston or they go to Detroit, they're going to have some weapons to throw to. So yeah, that's why I think the DJ, I mean, obviously he's been the best quarterback in college football, um, playing for a team in Clemson. That's produced some good quarterbacks in, in recent years. All right. Well, we matched on 11 out of 12 and we hit on four in the same spot. So both overs hit. I'm Excellent. happy. Let's move on to that segment went a lot longer than what I thought it would, but I think it was a good segment. Um, it, it was. I mean, we got really talking. Again, when you look at this, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are not going to be starting next year. So yeah. if you're in a dynasty league or an empire league or something like that, uh, and your team is starting to fall out of it or has already fallen out of it, start thinking about what type of assets you can get for trading those quarterbacks, especially in super flex formats where – you can get a little more premium return on these guys. Guys like Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers even. These guys are going to be effective starters from a superflex standpoint for a team going for the money this year. But none of them is going to be involved next year. Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Jared Goff is kind of on the border there. I mean, maybe he will be. Maybe he won't be. Yep. Again, I, Detroit's going to have such a high pick that they can go out and get one of these guys like a Stroud or a or Uagulali, and they're going to have options to choose from, and they might start right away for them. Yep, all very true. So we hit the over and we hit the over. So now we're going to move into our DFS picks. Um, set the over-under on this one. Uh, this one here is going to be a little bit tougher for me. Got one, two, three, four, five, five. Five. Let's see. I'm going to take the under. I don't know why. I just I feel like an under. And by the way, I want to say something. Um, it's 14-7 going into the second quarter. The Eagles absolutely miss their rookie defensive tackle, Jordan Davis. He can't get back soon enough for that run defense. I, I am, I'm still frustrated that the Vikings didn't take Jordan Davis in the draft before the Eagles got a chance to. Yeah, he's a stud. Um, anyway, okay. So start us off. Quarterback, who are you paying up for this week at the quarterback spot? I'm going to pay up for the guy who uh, is coming off a crushing loss at home. Uh, he's staying at home for this particular game. He's facing a defense that's given up huge game to bad quarterbacks, such as Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, and Bailey Zappi. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Allen at home. This offense is going to be all in. They're going to have to win this game. And I, I just I feel like he's going to take it on his shoulder and his bad UCL. Throw for about uh, 350 and three. I don't disagree with that. That was not my pick, though. Um it just, I agree with you for all the reasons that you would have gone there, right? Especially coming off the loss, needing the, lo needing the win, being at home. Just, yes, it's going to be, he's going to eat. 
Um, but I decided to save a little bit of money, and I went down the down the list a little bit, um, and I decided to go with a cheat code against a team that's given up the seventh most points to the fantasy quarterback position. But let me add, they have also given up to the running back position. Are you ready? Yes. They have given up the where are they? The eleventh most points to the to the position. So I thought, well, if you add A plus B, you get start Justin Fields as a payup if you can. Yeah, I <laughs> I seriously considered Justin Fields here. And again, we talked about it a little bit in the quarterback segment. I really want to see what happens after the three games of the film. That's kind of always been that magic number. But, but, it, but it's Atlanta. Again, the, the matchup the matchup screams that he's going to have a big game. It, it's Atlanta. Yep. They can't stop anyone through the air. And they're only mildly better against the run. Um, Khalil Herbert is probably going to miss this game with an injury, which means that he might actually carry the ball more than he's carried it the last couple of weeks. I was going to say, the one thing he's got working against him is that Atlanta likes to run the ball too. So you could be looking at fewer possessions because both teams run the ball so much. Exactly. And in Atlanta's case, they just don't have anyone reliable to throw the ball, to catch the ball. I mean, yeah. Kyle, Pitt, Kyle Pitts got targeted six times. And I think he hauled in what what one catch this, or two catches this last week. Yeah, you have to look. Uh, have Drake to... London's back, but he was just not a part of the offense much this week. You need to lower your your expectations for an offensive lineman to catch, you know, as a tight end. So, anyway, um, who are you gonna who are you gonna avoid this week? Who are you staying away from? This I actually had trouble with. Uh, it's kind of looking at the prices, and I kept going down the list, like, I don't mind this, I don't mind this, I don't mind this. Yeah. I, I finally settled on uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, we have a match. <laughs> he is at home, and he's facing Dallas. And, and this is a situation where Dallas' pass defense, it, 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 it's elite. Uh, they can force Minnesota to be more run-heavy this week. Yeah. And Minnesota, for their part, will oblige. They will run the ball more this week if Cousins can't get the ball to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Yep. So, I, I mean, I don't think Cousins is going to have a horrible game. He'll probably still throw for 225 and two. Yep. But that's not a top 10 price quarterback's reproduction, reproduction, product, production rate. Yep. I agree, I agree with you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a 17 10 type scoring game either. Um, it just feels like a low scoring game. It is in Minnesota. I usually give you know the quarterback plus for that. But I thought that of those top 10 ish looking quarterbacks that were priced above $6,000 on DraftKings, he was the one that I have to stay away from. Yeah. Who's your value play? I went way down the board for this one here. See, I, I tried. I'm go with, uh, I tried. Didn't like it. We'll go with Mr. Longneck Davis Mills against this Washington uh, secondary. Mills is going to need a big game here just to keep a secure hold on the Houston starting job for the rest of this season, let alone next season. Uh, he's coming off a 300-plus yard passing game last week. And Washington, for their part, has given up uh, respectably solid passing performance lines against subpar quarterbacks pretty much all season. Uh, they've faced a lot of subpar quarterbacks, and they have all had like 260 and two, which is kind of what I see for Mills. And at his price, that's kind of what you're hoping for. Yeah, you know what? I, I put another D in my spot, but it wasn't an M, it was a J. So I, I went to. Daniel Jones is my value play. And honestly, I always default to looking at DraftKings that ignore FanDuel for some stupid reason. <laughs> and Daniel Jones is not a value at $7,800. Um, so I'll tell you what. I'm going to say Daniel Jones on DraftKings, and I'm going to agree with you with Davis Mills on FanDuel. How's that? But we're not going to take any kind of matches on it. Exactly. I, I think that that's a, a good situation there. And there's one other guy that I kind of thought a little bit about Jared Goff uh, on the road and against the Giants, but the Giants' defense actually outplayed what anyone expected for them this yeah. season. So, and weather can always be interesting in New York this time of year too. So, yep. who are you paying up for at the running back spot? Well, let's see. Can we do it two weeks in a row here? I'm going to pay up for Saquon Barkley uh, versus Detroit. I mean. Come on, which one of Saquon Barkley's dynasty owners set the NFL schedule this season? Yeah, he right? gets to face Houston and then Detroit in the prime of like setting up your fantasy league playoffs. So we match. I'm going to ride that horse one more week also. It's too good. Of, look, I looked at it. I was like, God, 89, 97, but it's Detroit. He's at home. Like he's coming off a monster game. Come on. Yeah, let's you, you ride him. He's white hot right now. 
Who you staying away from? Uh, this I also had trouble with here because again I didn't dislike a lot of the matchups. I I thought about staying away from Elvin Kamara. Uh, I ultimately sold a little bit lower. I went with Joe Mixon, uh, whose seventy four hundred dollar price tag on DraftKings is the one two three. It's the seventh lowest, but he's at nine thousand on FanDuel, which is the second highest priced running mm-hmm. back. And now. You know what? Pittsburgh has is given up their share of big games this year to the running back position, but it's at Pittsburgh, and we have to look at the fact that T.J. Watt being back now, uh, obviously he's not going to be playing all the snaps. He's, he's still getting back physically, but he was in there for a little bit this past week. But his return helps the team both physically. It also helps them emotionally. They actually did a pretty good job of holding Elvin Kamara in check last week. So I kind of think they might keep Mixon in check too here. And I just I can't get behind paying nine thousand for him. Yeah, you didn't need to use that many words to say he's way overpriced. I agree with you. Um, not who I stayed, decided to stay away from though. Um, maybe I'm being jaded by the fact that I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. Maybe it's by the fact that barring an 81 yard touchdown run, he didn't really have such a great <laughs> week this week. Um, that's 14 points that he scored right in one play. Right. Um, yes. I'm staying away from Dalvin Cook. Maybe it's the wrong move, but I don't know. I just I don't feel good. I feel like that's just a really low scoring game this week. Especially I think you see Minnesota kind of have that look, they're eight and one, right? So they haven't had any um what's any letdowns yet, um, per se. I think this could be a letdown week after that huge win last week against Buffalo too. Mm-hmm. Who's your value play? Let's see if we can match on a value play. Oh man, uh, value play this week. I looked at a couple different names, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pass if either of these two players match. How okay. about that? Okay, sounds good. I'm going to go with the Commanders running back. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I chose ultimately Antonio Gibson at Houston. Gibson and Brian Robinson are splitting touches, uh, but this is Houston's decrepit run defense, so it's not really gonna matter. They're both gonna put up huge numbers. Gibson is a just a share a shade more expensive than Robinson, but he's actually seen more touches. He's been more involved in the passing game, and he has scored in two of the last three games coming into tonight's game. So, I, I, I gave him the slight edge here. Uh, again, play either of them; you won't be upset with either play. Don't disagree with that. Um, the guy I initially wrote down, and I, I quickly scratched him out though, is a guy I don't think it's going to be played that much. Won't have that much ownership. Is Gus Bra- Gus Gus Bradley? Listen to me, Gus the bus. <laughs> um, coming off the bye, coming like he's expected back. Um, yes, I, I just I don't have the nerve to say make him the play though. Um, so I went with a guy in a game that's going to run the ball a lot. Um, I went with Tyler Algier this year, this week. Uh, against Chicago, no no concern about uh, Corderell Patterson being. The featured guy there? Of course, but I'm looking at the price. I don't really love any of the low price guys. I'd rather pay up for those middle rent, middle of the road guys. And it's I think it's a tough week this week, honestly, in my honest opinion. It, it really is. I mean, last week uh, everyone kind of had to settle on the uh, on the chalk high priced guys because the low priced guys there, there just weren't any last week. I mean, the best values were all in the. Six thousand to eight thousand dollar price range last week, and yeah. and all those guys ended up hitting, which was nice. But uh, yeah, you couldn't look down there and say, "Oh, here's a Dion Jackson starting without Jonathan Taylor. Here's yep. here's so and so playing, and their price tag's only five thousand. I mean, the only deal play last week on, on any site uh, for a running back was if you were smart enough to go with Isaiah Pacheco rather than. Casey running back du jour. <laughs> oh, and that's who the first guy I looked for when I was looking for my value play, honestly, and then went, ah, he's in a primetime game, can't use him. Yeah, they got flexed into that primetime game. This is kind of a comical uh, situation where on back-to-back weeks we'll see uh, San Francisco and the Chargers both playing in primetime. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I've started writing my primetime article for this coming week already, and I was looking at it, I was like, Oh, there's a lot of the same takes I've got from last week in there. Okay. Um, so there you go. We've got through two positions. We have two matches. Um, we need to get three to hit the hit the push and four to go over. So my, my under's looking good right now. Um, at the wide receiver spot, who are you paying up for there? 
Well, I, I told you I'm going to pay up for Josh Allen, so I'm going to pay up for his top receiver. That's Stephon Diggs versus Cleveland. Uh, no real huge advantage with Cleveland. They've been middle of the road against the pass all season. Uh, they have given up decent numbers to possession-style wide receivers, which I consider Diggs more of a possession guy. Well, Gabe Davis is more of a stretch-the-field guy. So, so advantage. he's a little cheaper than the other guys. Uh, Jefferson Adams on the board, so he's my pay up. So guess what? We have another match there. Um, <coughs> As much as I was like, I don't want to pay up for Josh Allen, how do I get some of Allen? I get him by playing Diggs. Um, mm. Two other guys I considered, but I, I ended up not going with. And, of course, Cooper Cup we know is out for a few weeks, so he shouldn't even have price. Um, I looked at CeeDee Lamb, but, again, I just can't get off the fact that I think it's a lower-scoring game. Um, so I decided that's not a route I want to go. And then I looked at T. Higgins. Um, I think T could have a big game, but it's in Pittsburgh, and it's just – Something just didn't feel good enough about it for me to say that's the payoff. Plus, he's only seventy-one hundred bucks. So, how much of a payoff is that, really? Right. Well, here's the weird thing. There. I mean, last week Chris Olave should have gone ape against Pittsburgh, playing without Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And he really didn't. Uh, again, how much of that was Olave and Andy Dalton still are working on their familiarity with each other, and how much of that is Pittsburgh playing with some heart now that T.J. Watt's back active? So. Uh, something to watch this week. I mean, obviously, since he's got more weapons than just Olave to throw to, so <laughs> uh, yeah. it's going to be much more scary to face Higgins and Boyd. And uh, well, we don't expect Jamar Chase back yet. Uh, I mean, weirder things have happened. Yeah, no, I don't expect him back. So he's staying away from this week. That one there actually was much, much easier for me. Okay. I, I went with the I, – I, I thought about going with Justin Jefferson because I think he's going to be shelled by Trayvon Diggs, but – one thing that's historically happened is that while Diggs is good at picking the ball off, he's also good at yeah. jumping routes a little early and making like bonehead plays and you get your guy behind him for a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, it, the touchdowns that Dallas gave up to Christian Watson last week weren't all on Diggs by any stretch of the imagination. Those were all just plays where Christian Watson was the fastest guy on the field. And Aaron Rodgers just did – what Aaron Rodgers used to do, which is just throw the ball up there and hopefully the fastest guy in the field would come down with the ball. Well, the guy who he used to throw the ball up to, who wasn't always the fastest guy on the field, but he always hoped would catch the ball, was Devontae Adams. He's the guy I'm staying away from this week. We have a match. Uh, Vegas is facing Denver. Denver is absolutely – they suffocate wide receiver ones there. Uh, and, and realistically, there's no other weapons for Vegas to throw the ball to. Waller, probably done for the season, maybe done for his career for all we know. Uh, Hunter Renfro is on IR. Uh, yes, they do have Foster Moreau and Mac Collins, but all that Derek Carr does is try to force feed Devontae Adams. Like, where have we seen that before? Aaron Rodgers. Sooner or later, they're going to face a defense that's just going to put three guys on Devontae Adams and just take him out, and that's going to happen this week. So, yeah, we have a match. Um I don't like that matchup for all the reasons you said. Denver has just been the death knell for wide receivers, honestly. Um, they've been the death knell for offensive football for the most part on both sides. So, Unfortunately, <laughs> that's true. All right, so <clears throat> who is your value play this week? Well, I, I went really low on the total pole this week at value play, too. I'm going with LaVisca Chenault at Baltimore. Uh, since returning from his injury, Chenault has been the focal point of this offense. Uh getting more and more involved. Obviously, that was with P.J. Walker at the helm. Uh, Chenault and Terrace Marshall have actually both outperformed D.J. Moore, despite the fact that D.J. Moore finally caught a touchdown during Walker's stead. Uh, but what Chenault has done is he's kind of forced himself into the Curtis Samuel role there in, the, in that offense. And if you look all the way back to week three prior to Chenault's injury, uh, he came in in that, in that game, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. He had 90 receiving yards and a long touchdown from Mayfield. So maybe Mayfield felt comfortable with them. We didn't really get a chance to find out because after that game, Chenault ended up missing like five more games. So uh, he's healthy. Mayfield's starting. Let's see if they can have a little uh, connection this week yeah. against the Baltimore defense that is, uh, they performed better of late. But for whatever reason, all season they've kind of had some issues with slot-style receivers. And again, I'm picturing that DJ and Terrace will line on the outside now 
and Chenault's going to operate out of the slot again, like in that Curtis Samuel type role. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the first guy that I wrote down for my value play, and I said I'm going to come in here and I'm going to draw a line in the sand and say this is my value play. It is Kenny Gallagher. No, I'm kidding. It's not. Kenny <laughs> uh, but it's close. It, it was. Darius Slayton. It was Chase Claypool, but I said I can't do it. I can't do it. He has. He hasn't shown me. I, no, I don't. I really. I, I, I wrote down Claypool's name first too, because uh, realistically, that defense has given up a lot of yeah. solid performances, even to number two receivers on teams all season. But Claypool has done nothing since he's come over there. Right. That's exactly. Uh, other than free up coverage from. Cole Komet. I'll be kicking myself when he was six for, you know, 120 and two touchdowns or something this weekend. But he's the guy, just throw, throw him into a couple lineups as, as like a flyer dart throw. Uh, get, get him in there, uh, maybe as a showdown captain or something like that in that game and, and, and reap whatever benefit you get out of him. But again, yeah, uh, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I, I wanted to so bad and I couldn't do it. <laughs> so I got to be honest with you. Um, I honestly thought we were going to match. My value play winds up being a stack for you on your value play quarterback. Um, Brandon Cooks. Ah. Brandon Cooks. I think we see Brandon Cooks have a big week this week, finally, at home. I, I think you could also take a shot on Nico Collins in that game, too. Yes, you could. Absolutely. So, all right, let's go on over to, t- to the tight end. No pressure here, but you need one to push and two to, to go over and make me wrong. Um, who's your, who's your pay-up at the tight end p- spot? Well, I'm going to pay up for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, well, Dallas is going to be successful in shutting down Justin Jefferson or at least limiting Justin Jefferson. I expect Minnesota to continue to utilize Hawkinson in just two games with the team. Uh, weeks nine and ten, he trails only Travis Kelsey in terms of targets. He's tied with Kelsey for the league lead among tight ends and receptions, and he's third uh, among the league uh, over those two games in terms of receiving yards, behind only uh, Kelsey and Dallas Goddard tonight. So I thought about Goddard, but I sold on Hawkinson or a little cheaper. Uh, I think that uh, the team is going to have to feed Hawkinson this week again, like I said with with Jefferson being basically manhandled on the outside. Gotcha. So initially I was going to really go down the list for my pay up and say it was Cole Komet. And then I wrote Hawk because I like to save a little bit of money. But at the end of the day, I still was haunted by my thought of it being a very low scoring game. And I went to Dallas Goddard. So we were close, but no cigar. Yeah. And I have, I have no argument against Goddard there. I, I went back and forth between the two. And and my deciding factor mainly was, like I said, the savings of 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. Who are you staying away from? Well, I, I think we might actually match this. I'm going to stay away from Mark Andrews. This first game back from an injury, so I'm just fearful I'm going to pay full price for Andrews and he's going to get hurt again after one or two snaps and end up missing the rest of the game. But you know what? There's just so many incredibly good options at tight end this week. <laughs> That's hard to believe, but it's true. Uh, and all of them are considerably cheaper than Mark Andrews. So <laughs> I just got kind of said, my, I can't pay that much for him. So he's not who I'm staying away from. Um, I understand it. And I did write him down first and then I crossed him off, right? Because I can't begrudge anybody if they want to play him. I mean, he's had the bye week to come back. It's Mark Andrews. And all that stuff. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to stay away from Kyle Pitts. He's facing a Bears team that's given up the 28th fewest points to the tight end position this year in fantasy. And there's nothing about that Atlanta offense that makes me feel comfortable to play him um, at any dollar amount, honestly. So I'm going and, – and as somebody that, you know, got him in an auction draft this year happily, not happy to say that. But, yeah, I'm staying away from Kyle Pitts. Well, he's getting the targets. It's just uh, how many of those targets are actually catchable passes. Yes. That's But, fair. no, I think we, we've talked about some – and I, I jokingly said earlier that there's there's no tight ends left in the league. There are some great value plays at tight end this week, and I had a tough, tough time with this because there's like five or six guys that I'd consider a value play at tight end this week. You've got Greg Dolchich going up against Vegas. Uh, Jerry Judy's a little dinged up right now, so I, I have a feeling that we might see more Dolchich in the offense. You've got uh, Tyler Higby, who's going to be the focal point of the Rams offense with Cooper Cup out. Uh, you've got... Uh, <laughs> Jeez, uh, Cole Komet. I mean, the price tag is is still cheap enough on DraftKings that he's a value. 
They're facing Atlanta, and Atlanta's been bad against tight ends all season. As FanDuel prices starting to creep up there a little bit. But, uh, I mean, I look down, I look down like this. Oh, there's so many good options here. Foster Moreau is getting some love there, and I guess as the secondary option. I like Harrison Bryant to score for a second straight week going up against Buffalo. You can, again, you can attack Buffalo at the tight end spot. I like Juwan Johnson, who's basically – Juwan Johnson is what everyone thought Kyle Pitts was going to be this season. He's a big-bodied, physical, wide receiver playing tight end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's got more production in pretty much every single category except for maybe targets compared to Kyle Pitts. Um, ultimately, I went way, way cheap here. I went all the way down to the $2,900 price tag on DraftKings, $4,400 on FanDuel. $4,400 only. That's ridiculous for a tight end. Well, Tanner Hudson versus Detroit. And again, last week I had Komet as my value play against Detroit, and he went out and delivered. Uh, Arizona's on the primetime slate, so I can't pick on them this week. So I chose the third most fallible defense against tight ends, and that's Detroit. I still think Atlanta's a little bit worse than they are. But Hudson has eight targets in the last two games that he's played since Daniel Bellinger was lost to injury. I think that he's going to have a decent game this weekend. At that price, it won't take much. So, yeah, you we're not going to match. Um, I thought we might have because you you mentioned, well, two guys I considered. I first wrote down Dolchich, then I wrote down Komet, and I was like, eh, Komet's too high. Um, I think Dolchich is, makes, I know he's 5,500 on FanDuel, but at 3,800, I think he's a great value play this week. Absolutely agree. And again, if, if Judy doesn't sit up, I think he's gonna he's gonna be one of the, he will be one of the featured options now. What that means again in a situation where Russell Wilson has been so inconsistent. Yeah. But there's no. a reason we talked about him Dulcich earlier this year as a as a potential top twelve tight end the rest of the way. I mean, we might talk about him in a couple weeks when we talk about our top twelve tight ends for next season. That is very true. That is very true. And until then, they'll just have to wait. Um, that does it. We hit the under. Um, I was right. You set the over. It was close, though. It was close. We were very close to pushing and, and close to going over. Closer than I thought we would have been, honestly. Um, next week will be interesting with being double DFS. But if anybody has any questions about what to do come this coming week, by all means, you can reach out to Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can reach me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, check out all the great things that we have at thehuddle.com. If you're not already a member, get off your butt and subscribe. Give yourself an early Christmas gift or something like that. And until next week, as we like to say, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>